You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 45 with Patty Fuensalida. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. So I'm so excited for this episode and for you guys to hear it because for the past year or so, I have started to do a deep dive into like the subconscious, into our beliefs and getting like really into my mind. I've always been somebody who is very action oriented, somebody who really doesn't stop moving and just goes, goes and goes and doesn't stop until I have to. And over the past several years, I have tried to slow down more and really get in touch with what I'm feeling and what's going inside of my brain, going on inside of my brain, and really diving deep into my own beliefs about myself and the patterns that come up and meditating and things like that. And when I heard that like we are only conscious of like two, literally 2% of what goes on in our brains and the rest of it is just like programming that literal neural pathways are solidified in our brains that kind of like create our own lives, like that felt like such a big opportunity. I mean, it's scary, but at the same time, it's a great gateway in order to really see what's happening inside of you, see what's... uh, what drives you, see why you do the things that you do, because so many of the things that we do are just habitual and unconscious. And so many of the people that I work with and people that I talk to say like, I can't stop doing this. I feel like something has taken over me. And why is it so hard to switch habits? And it is hard. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring on my friend Patty to the show, who is so many things. She's a mindset coach. She's a um a hypnotist she's a board certified hypnotist and she's also a unitarian reiki master patty and i actually did our unitarian reiki master certification together at her studio in body wellness at body wellness um and she is somebody who works with all different types of women and helps women elevate their worth and she also really talks about this in the episode and she gets really, really deep into it, but I'm always intrigued by people who do this. And I wanted to learn and bring you guys the value to learning about the subconscious and our beliefs and how we can elevate our worth. We also talk about the money mindset and just to help you live a better life. And we talk about this many times in the episode, but it's really not about like, you know, 
deleting and erasing all of the thoughts that we have, even if they're negative, like they might not ever go away. And that was really scary to me at the beginning because I didn't want to live with my negative thoughts. I just wanted, I mean, how much easier would that be if we just didn't have to live with them? But rather it's developing a stronger voice that can, uh, that knows better and a stronger voice that you can talk to yourself with and recognizing your patterns and seeing what happens. And like I said, we talk all about this in the episode, um, but I really wanted her to be our expert and to talk about us, talk to us about these things. Um, a little bit of a bio on Patty. Patty has a passion for creating community and empowerment via enlightened businesses. I love that. Patty is the owner and founder of Coral Gables Hypnosis and Bodhi Wellness. Both businesses are located in Miami and are focused on empowering men, women, and children to live their best lives. A natural leader whose compassionate drive to guide others led her from a highly successful sales career to becoming not only a master neurolinguistic programming practitioner and hypnotherapist, but also certified Reiki practitioner and mindset coach. Devoted to freeing her clients of the barriers to leading fulfilling lives, Patty is able to pull from her experience as a coach and from her 20-year sales industry background to coach executive clients on overcoming career and financial mindset obstacles, as well as aspiring entrepreneurs ready to launch their dream businesses. In her role as a hypnotist and coach, Patty specializes in helping women overcome challenges ranging from anxiety, sexual trauma, and abuse to sales success and effective public speaking. In her years of practice, she has found a consistent link between how her clients view themselves and the results they manifest in their lives and relationships. A great deal of her work has thus been geared towards inspiring women to see their worth and claim their best life. Beyond her Coral Gables office, Patty is an avid outdoors woman, taking advantage of any opportunity to take off into nature and recharge. Always striving to improve her inner conversation, Patty practices meditation, Reiki, and hikes and paddleboards as often as possible. She lives in the peace of Redland, Florida, which is my favorite area of Miami, by the way. That's my own little side note, with her beautiful family that includes her husband, Mike, her four children, and Spirit, the German Shepherd. So Patty does speaking engagements. Uh, she does coaching. We're going to put all her information in the show notes for how to get in touch with her. Um, if you are in Miami, definitely go to her beautiful studio and her beautiful space in Coral Gables. Um, it is just place that I love to be in. And I know that you would love it too, if you're a listener to this podcast, but I really want you guys to take the time to listen to this episode, to soak up all the gems and to, you know, when we talk about food and all of the stuff that we go through, I feel like this stuff, this conversation is what it's really about. It's about becoming aware of yourself, aware of your thoughts and patterns and not letting those things, even if they don't go away, hold you back to leading the life that you were meant to live. That's really what this is all about. Even like the body stuff. And you know, if you have like other addiction problems or whatever, those ways are just portals for us to live a better life and to live the life that can serve us the most. So definitely, like I said, reach out to her if you want to work with her. And in the meantime, let's get into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm here with Patty Fuentalita in her office at Coral Gables Hypnosis and Bodhi Wellness. Yes. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. We've already been talking for a couple minutes. Yeah. And um, about all of this stuff, just because, like I told you, this is all so important. It isn't even with, like, 
like we've been talking about, it's food stuff that I talk about and that people listen to me for, for the most part, but it's really about like overall in your life, your mindset, your subconscious, your beliefs. And I'm also curious about hypnosis and I would love to start by you telling us specifically what you do and how you got to do this work. Sure. It's been a little bit of a long journey, mm-hmm. right? So I've been here at Bodhi. I opened Bodhi a little over a year and a half ago, but really I'm 43 now. And since I watched Silence of the Lambs, so I think it was like circa 1987, 89, I don't really know it off the top of my head, that I decided I really wanted to work with the mind. Like I thought it was fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I really, when I started school, I my major was psychology and I did that for a while, but I was always the odd one in my group mm. of friends, right? Like, I was always the one with, like, oh, why don't we sit down, close our eyes, and I'll read to you from the Tibetan Book of the Dead for a little yeah. bit, you know? <laughs> like, I was always the one coming up with, like, random ideas. And I ended up um, going through my studies with psychology and then finding that it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I didn't feel confident that I had the skills, that I had been born with the skills to really coach people through troubles mm. because I had a rough life not a rough life, but I had a rough time managing my emotions through the circumstances in my life. So I had the whole, like, who the hell am I Yes. to be able to help other people? So I walked away from it for a long time and ended up going into sales Um, and did really well in sales. I did sales management. I led teams for a long time, but I always found that I was, again, the odd person. So I was like, all the managers, I was the weird one. I was the Mm -hmm. one that was like... Like, my nickname on my last corporate job was Mother Hen because, like, my office was the one where, like, the sales meetings, people would be crying yeah, <laughs> talking yeah, about yeah, their yeah, feelings, yeah. you know, and I coached them from a very different place, not from sales, but from personal. Okay. Um, and, and we did well. And I don't know if it was the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it, but it worked for, mm-hmm. for my teams. I've always, I think since I have memory of being an adult, had two jobs I've always been very much about like I want to do a million things at the same time so part of what I started to do to fill that second job need in my head was I started doing hypnosis back in I want to say it was 2007 or 2008 because I had read Dr. Weiss's books about past life regression and I thought it was incredible found a woman who had worked with him for about 20 years did two sessions with her And it clicked something in me Mm. that really resolved some heavy-duty issues that I had gone to therapy for a decade that I was still trying to muddle through. Mm -hmm. And I had two sessions with this woman where I got instant clarity. And I was like, this is it. This is why I didn't pursue traditional psychotherapy because it wasn't what resonated with me. Hypnosis resonated with me. And it really changed my life. And, of course, like as a universe would do it, after that second session... At the time, I had a women's networking group, right? So I had part of this franchise, and I was holding a group, and it was one of our first two meetings. And I didn't know anything about, like, how to market this. It was totally winging it. So very few people showed up to this luncheon, but one of the women that showed up um, was Sheena, which I don't know if you know her. She's very um, kind of well-known in the circle. Mm -hmm. Um, She was promoting a hypnosis certification class that she was going to be teaching like the following week. And I was of like, course. thank you. Yeah, I see yeah, your yeah. message. <laughs> I signed up. I got my certification. I immediately started practicing part-time 
okay. in the afternoons at a friend's office. Okay, so you just have to get a certification yep. to it do was, it? Okay. It was certain hours that you have to okay. hit, but I did my class, I did my hours, and it was like 500 hours to begin of wow. practice, like okay. supervised and recordings and mm-hmm. readings and stuff like that. And then I started um, working at a friend's house, a friend's office. And I started with the traditional things, you know, like weight loss and stop biting your nails. Yes. Smoking, right? Smoking. And like, I was feeling it, but at the same time, like when people were like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds, I would see that the questions would always move into, well, like why? What is it that is driving you to keep this weight on? You know, and it became a much more emotional conversation. And then other things would come up, and I was like, that's what I want yes. to work on. Right? Uh-huh. Like, that's the meat and potatoes of why you're holding on to your weight. It's not, I mean, at the end of the day, it is your eating habits, but yes. what's underneath? Yes. Like, what's that rooted in? So now that it's been, I don't know, 10 years that I've been doing this, and I'm only doing this, I'm, all, I'm doing a thousand things. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. This is the main thing that I'm doing. Um, I focus primarily, obviously, on the subconscious and mindset is the core of everything that we do, really. But mostly I focus on women entrepreneurs getting past those blocks of, am I good enough to start my own business? Am I going to fail? Am I going to be amazing? What's going to, what are going to be the repercussions of me really winning at this or me really sucking at this, you know? And a lot of stuff that I experienced myself starting businesses so that's really where most of my time is focused now. Mm-hmm. I, I do still a lot of like panic attacks because a lot of people know me for that. Yeah. Um, and hypnosis, I have found this such an easy tool to really allow people to go from panic and anxiety and sleeplessness into like a real life of peace. And it's not magic, which is yeah. what I tell everybody. It really is practice. Okay. So. That's awesome. And I find too that like, work is so much more meaningful when you have kind of been there. Yeah. You know, and you have gone through it all. Um, maybe having like points of struggle or something that you have, um, you know, we talked about at the beginning how like you don't necessarily get fixed or have the voice go away. And I think that that's a misconception because there's so many people out there that are like, just read my course or take my course or read my book. And then like, you're never going to have thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that I honestly, yeah, I really thought I was like, if I do have enough yoga, if I like eat perfectly, if I just like sit in my meditation room and do all, then I'm going to like not ever have a negative thought again. Yeah, you know? that's not going to happen. Gonna happen. Gonna I think about it. We talked about this too. It's like that becomes your comfort zone. Yes. And what happens with people when they're in the comfort zone? Like some of us are totally cool in our comfort zone mm-hmm. for long periods of time. But one of the basic core human needs is growth. And growth requires you to be uncomfortable. Like even physical growth is uncomfortable. You have to get yes. new clothes. And yeah. Kids will get like growing pains. Like I know my nine-year-old went through two years of growing pains in the middle of the night where he would cry. Like, growth yeah. is painful. Even muscle building or things For like sure. that. Yeah, yeah every time training. you go to the gym, yes. you know, you're it's growing. It's not necessarily comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's really about getting comfortable with that uncomfortable, with the discomfort, yeah, yeah. I think. For sure. You know? And embracing it to some yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah. Some discomfort is going to be way hairier <laughs> than some yes, others. Yeah, some are sure. going to make you cry a lot more. But it's all perspective. 
mm-hmm. right? So it's like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. This is heavy. I don't know. I don't see a way out. Is one perspective. Another perspective could be like, this is such a huge opportunity, and I know that I'm going to be a better person on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't come natural. Like yeah, I totally yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, no, like, at like all. Getting getting those thoughts to become more reactive, it, it takes effort and it takes practice. That's mm-hmm. why it's the practice of growing. You know, yes. the practice of meditation. We yeah. don't really get there. Yeah, exactly. But there's things that people can do that get you there. It took me. It still takes me. Yeah. Or it's it's intent. Yeah, and I think that's just the real nature of this work you know us being providers that help people with their own growth is being real about like you know you this is going to be difficult and if it is difficult it probably is going to pay off in in the long run yeah um you touched on something that I've thought about often and that people who have had hypnosis uh say to me sometimes that they compare to therapy and that people might be in a therapeutic relationship with their psychologist or whatever, and they go for years, mm-hmm. and they don't see much progress. Um, and I guess you could lump in the definition of hypnosis here. How does it differ from therapy, and why do you find that sometimes it can be more beneficial than traditional It's completely therapy? different. Okay. I would tell you that probably a quarter of my clients throughout the years are working with me in conjunction with mm. a therapist. So here at Bodhi, we have a therapist that's in-house, a licensed psychotherapist, right? Okay. Um, and we work together with clients a lot of the time because I know what I'm qualified to work on and I know what I'm not qualified to work on. Like, I'm not diagnosing anybody. I'm not curing any problems, right? Yeah. If there's if there's true a true diagnosis that a psychotherapist has done, then they need to continue to go to the therapist hypnosis really works at the micro level so like for i'll give you an example of how like me and this therapist work together right so she'll have issues like marital issues or you know self-esteem things or whatever they'll come to me for one particular thing like there's this one thing that creates a lot of anxiety maybe it's a trigger because when they look in the mirror they have negative thoughts about their body and how do we make that have a reframe in the mind mm-hmm. so that the subconscious doesn't automatically go to disgust and maybe automatically goes to neutrality or to appreciation mm-hmm. or to love or to whatever, right? Uh-huh. And that's a process that you can achieve through regular psychotherapy. But sometimes when we're trying to solve a bigger issue and you have this like gnawing thing that's kind of interrupting the process, it's faster to just deal with that under hypnosis, get it over with mm-hmm. so that you can get to the meat and potatoes of what's really going on like how is this particular thought conjunction that you have going on at the subconscious level affecting your reality affecting your relationships the way that you see yourself affecting your eating habits affecting yeah. everything right so hypnosis is very micro focused mm-hmm. on specific things where therapy is a bigger goal oriented okay focus does that make sense yes yes and how does we had talked about this before a little bit but how does hypnotherapy differ from hypnosis and are there certified like are there two different they are okay so it i think it depends where you go in the united states but hypnotherapy you really want to have when you have a licensed psychotherapist because that implies that you're going to have therapy right like you're going to be able to go and talk about the issues Uh from a 
very different perspective where hypnosis we're not really talking like you and i have never done hypnosis together yeah but my sessions will look more like you come in you're like patty i want my goal to be that i can sleep nine hours through the night without waking like that's an easy goal yeah for you to articulate uh-huh and we go in you come in we talk for 10 minutes mostly to see how we made progress has anything gotten better has anything gotten worse and then we just go into hypnosis which is really just suggestions yeah so okay. all we're doing is getting you into a focused state and suggesting to your subconscious mind that you really do have the ability to sleep nine hours straight without mm. waking. Okay. And eventually the brain's like, oh, you're right. Yeah. You really okay. can. You know, and then that becomes the predominant thought. Okay. So there's also this, um, I'm not sure if it's a misconception that like when you get, when you're doing hypnosis that you get put to sleep. Or that you, like, like what happens exactly? Like, are people present with you? Are they in another state? I know you kind of touched upon it now where you, uh, you know, might tackle a specific issue. But what is happening in the room when you, when you do this? So it's funny because that's, like, the number one question for people yeah. that come in for their consultation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's no magic. Yeah. to hypnosis, right? It's not like you would see, you know, where, like, you have this thing that's swinging in yeah, front well, of you. Yeah, well, that's what I think people think. And, like, please stop watching Get Out and yeah. all those movies <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're doing no service to the to the industry. But it's really... Think of hypnosis as a very focused thing. So you remember back maybe 20 years ago when they would teach Lamas to all pregnant women? Yeah. So what did they say? They say, okay, pick one one area in the room, and I want you to just focus on that. So what are you doing? Mm. You're focused on that. You're looking at it. You're breathing to it. Like your entire focus is towards this one thing. Uh-huh. That's basically hypnosis, right? Okay. So it's a state of very relaxed focus. Now, mm. I'm the one that's telling you what to focus on. Yes. Right? And then... Do people fall asleep? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does it work when they fall asleep? Yes. Do I want them to fall asleep? No. Right? Okay. There's different brain waves, right? So you're going to come into like alpha waves. You're going to go into theta waves. So you're going to come in and out. So think of it like literally like a wave. Like you're coming in and out. Mm. So in a typical session, you're aware. But you're going to be sometimes more aware of what I'm saying than other times. It's very typical for people to tell me, because I record all my sessions, right? For people mm-hmm. to tell me, Oh, when I listened to the audio again, I heard this whole other piece that I didn't hear when I was here. Mm, And that makes sense because sometimes you hear me and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you hear me and sometimes you don't. And that's why there's a lot of repetition in hypnosis. Okay. Because I want to make sure that it's getting in there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're actually hearing me. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I remember coming about a year ago, I think, to one of those, like the things that you do on Fridays, Mm -hmm. the Power Series, I think. Yeah. Um... And you kind of took us through, I think that day I was like really new to it. I heard Gabby, who's been on the podcast, say like, you know, six sessions with Patty is like years of uh, therapy, uh, of like traditional therapy. So I came in and I was like, oh, I want to, I thought I was going to be put to sleep or something. But you kind of took us through like going through a room and then opening a door. And I've heard other recordings and they do that kind of same thing. Like you're on a river or you're, you know, is that typical to kind of give a visualization? It's typical. Okay. Uh, You don't do it all the time, but your mind, although it is incredible, Mm -hmm. it has some glitches. Yeah. (laughs) And we basically, 
use those to our advantage. So your brain can't tell the difference between what you're actually experiencing in the real physical world and what you're experiencing in your imagination, right? Mm. There's been science that has been done on this with Olympic athletes that the chemicals and that are released in the body when they're exercising or the neural pathways in the brain that light up when they are doing their exercises are the same when they're physically doing them as when they're imagining it. Mm. So that's an incredible piece of information for us to know because if I put you in the place where we're maybe walking into a room under a visualization where you're being greeted and awarded entrepreneur of the year award that's going to release stuff in your body it's going to light up parts of your brain that didn't light up when you're just talking about it because I'm putting you there and we're using the sensory information what does a room smell like what does the person that's introducing you look like? What's the emotion that's moving through your body? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you happy? Right? Mm. And all of that stuff starts to create roots in your memory. So that way, it becomes part of how you see yourself. Maybe yeah. like in this example, yes, as yes. an entrepreneur, like, uh-huh. this is possible. We've opened that door of possibility and we've said, this is what's possible for you. Yeah. So... I use a lot of visualization, uh-huh. um, and it really just depends on what we're working on. But especially okay. with entrepreneurs, because yeah. we have vision, yes. the clearer that we can create the vision, like the clearer the path yes. gets, because we're driven by emotion. Yeah. Right? Like emotions are the fuel that get us to where we're going. Mm-hmm. And if we can connect those emotions in the present moment to a future vision it's much more likely yes. that we have faith in ourselves to get there. I love that. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of the law of attraction. Oh, completely. Too. It's all it's based like, on That's that. all Abraham talking, like, feel the emotions. Now, like, she suggests to, like, spend 15 minutes, um, you know, in the emotion, like, swimming in the emotions mm-hmm. that you want to feel. And that has been completely, that's something that I do at home when I remember. You know, when I, like, not always, I mean... If we were always in the mood to do things we knew that we had to do, we'd never do them, you know? So, like, um, I do it, and that has really helped me step into this, like, higher version of myself that I didn't think I could be, Yeah. you know? Yeah, because you were thinking with the conscious brain. When you put it into the body and you create that state of being in the present moment, in the physical body, it starts to cement Yes. You know, you start to really shift thing, like you shift the way that you see yourself, like what's possible for you. I love that. It's and really I think cool. and I, I practice that all the time. I love yeah, it. yeah. Um something that has been coming up for me and with my own nutrition clients and even just like now noticing in my family members, the people that we get triggered by and things like that is the subconscious and how that relates to our feelings of worth. Even our eating habits, are oh, sure. the patterns that we do in our life, what exactly is it? Like, how would you define it? And how does it rule kind of everything that we do? I know that's a big question, so... It is, but the way that I see it and the way that I've kind of come to embrace what the subconscious is, like, I think of it, honestly, as, like, a six-year-old version of me holding the blueprint for my life. Okay. <laughs> that's right? awesome. Yeah. That These, sounds... Because for, for sure, like think about the way that we pick up social norms, the way that we start to learn what's possible and what's limiting. We learn that really, really early, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that we can't unlearn it or learn something new because we absolutely can. But the core 
of how we see the world is really founded before the age of 10, right? And everything that we do after that, once we start like meditating or accessing theta waves in a different way, is it has to be a little bit more intentional, right? Because we, now we have thoughts and we have responsibilities and we have all this other noise that takes us away from being in that deep within conscious space. So to me, the subconscious, I think that part of me growing up was very resistance uh, to what was going on. So like resistance of my, resistance to my habits, mm. um, being very resistant about who I was as a person and wanting to change it. So mm. like negating that part of myself because like, I don't like this. I want to be this. And I think over the years I've come to see it as like a six-year-old version of me. And I have four kids. So like right now I have a six-year-old mm-hmm. and I'm not taking advice from him. Yeah. Like I'm not yeah, taking yeah. business advice from Julia. Yeah. Like I'll take advice from him on how to have fun. Yes. But I'm certainly not going to like ask oh, him what I'm going to do with my business point. plan. Yes. Right? Oh my so, God. I found that that's a really useful way for me to have self-compassion. Yeah. To, okay, like, maybe I still have this one habit that I'm not a fan of, but I can't be mad at myself. And I can't Mm. be guilty about it. Yeah. Because then, what is that doing? It's creating an emotional state that doesn't move me forward. It literally pulls me back. But if I can go into compassion for that part of myself, and I'm super visual, so for me, like, Mm -hmm. I see myself, like, six years old, curly hair, pink dress, you know, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to be mad at her. She's six. She doesn't know any better. Right. Mm. So that's like my view is of the subconscious is this part of us that is running your thoughts and your behavior in order to keep you safe because it's afraid because six year olds are afraid. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. In order to keep you safe and its intentions really are good. I mean, yeah, well, that of safety of to keep you protected, to to keep you protected. When we give the subconscious unlimited power by not engaging it, by saying like, I don't want to hear this or by becoming completely unaware that there is something deeper that's running us. That's when it kind of runs away from us. You know, mm-hmm. and it's really through awareness and becoming aware of like, oh, that's in there. Yeah. Where that? I wonder yeah, where that yeah, picked yeah. that up. Uh-huh. And it doesn't really matter where you picked it up. Just know that it's there. Right? Yes. I think a lot of us get into like self-psychoanalysis. Yes. Like, oh, it must have been because my mother yelled at me between the ages of three and four because she was really stressed out. So I yes. thought that I wasn't good enough. Who cares? Okay. Like, I mean, obviously yes. we care. Yes. But is it relevant today? Like, is yeah. your mother yelling at you today? right now no so what's the emotion all right like it's fear it's fear that i'm gonna suck at something okay so let's let's work on that let's not work on like mom whatever just have compassion for the person that you were at that moment that made up that thought in order to keep you safe Mm -hmm. and kind of like you would do with a six-year-old it's okay like yeah i get it that you're afraid we're gonna do this anyway right and hold yourself through that so And my next question was going to be, like, where do these beliefs come from? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it, like you said, is it even relevant to ask that question or relevant to know? Because... I think to some people it's really relevant. Okay. There's some people who want to understand. Uh Uh-huh. I, my personal belief is, meh. Okay. Like, uh, there's no power for me Uh or for any of us. There's Uh no power in the past, right? We we're not going to change any of past experiences. The only thing that we can change 
is the emotional attachment that we have to them. But mm. emotions are not back there. The emotions are here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, if we're I... We're almost bringing it with us. Yeah. You know? The, the it, fact that... Like, think of it, I think of it as a cord. And this is, like, the visualization yes, that yeah. I use, right? Uh-huh. And I'm sure you're familiar with it because yes. it's super common. Like, let's say that um, when you're four, you got lost at the supermarket for 20 minutes. When you're four, 20 minutes is three years, right? Because you're yeah, terrified. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So in that moment, let's say that the emotion was panic, okay? Maybe at four, you didn't have the words for it to be panic, but you know that it was whatever that feels like in your body. So when you access that memory, you're not accessing the emotion at four, you're accessing the emotion now, right? So it's like you have this cord that ties you to that memory. Where really, like, it doesn't exist anymore. It's yeah. already happened. yeah. You've already survived it. So how do you let go of that emotional attachment? First, compassion. Like, wow, how scary and how powerful are you that you got through that experience and that your survival mechanism worked and that your subconscious created this thing that got you safe because, look, you're still in one piece, right? So have compassion and say, like, this worked. Mm -hmm. And then come here and be like, I'm not for yeah. Right? Like, yes. if I get lost at the supermarket, I can ask for directions or I can make a phone call. Right? Yes, yes. So, it's part compassion, part rationalization and talking yourself back to, like, I'm 43 now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Like, the four-year-old was freaked out and it's totally okay. But having an, a sense that everything that is innate in us is innately good. So even yeah. when it's shitty, yeah, the intention wasn't shitty. The intention was good. Yes. Because really, if we are light beings, do we have intentions that are negative? No. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not who we are. Yeah, right? exactly. It's the human side that trips us up. And it, I see <laughs> it come up mostly in my relationship. You know what I mean? Because that is where you're most intimate with somebody, obviously, you know what I mean? It's and your biggest growth opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> He's my biggest spiritual teacher. For sure. Um, but I feel myself sometimes, like, and we're super, like, into this stuff. We talk about everything. He's like, if you say trigger one more time, I'm going <laughs> to flip out. But um, we're super aware of our own triggers and, like, how, like, I know what triggers him, he knows what triggers me, but, like, still it's going to happen. There's not going to be a time in life where you're not going to be triggered. Which, no, and you might get over all these triggers. Yes, And yes. then tomorrow there's going to be, be another one. one. Exactly. Like, hey, where'd that come from? Yes. Right. But, like, something will happen. Obviously, you love somebody, you're intimate with them, you're with them all the time. They know you on a different level, and you're, like, as a result, comfortable to just, like, say whatever to them sometimes. But, like, sometimes things will happen, and I will literally feel... Like, I'm five. And I revert back to, like, that five-year-old. Yeah. In my, so I'll feel it in my body. I'm like, ooh. I, like, almost cower inside of myself. Um, is that something that's common that you see? Oh is, everybody. Yes. I had this conversation last week with my coach. Okay. Where my husband and I were working through something, and we couldn't figure out what the what the problem was and then she asked one question she's like because my, my thing like I don't like to repeat myself okay I it, it I've always been like that and it annoys me disproportionately to yeah. how it should annoy me <laughs> mm-hmm. when I need to repeat myself right so she's like well what is what does that mean to you I'm like oh I feel I feel like I'm nagging 
you know, and I'm not a nagger. She's like, why are you not a nagger? I'm like, because I'm not like my mother. And I'm like, oh! oh and it just came out? Yeah, and it's oh, something wow. that I'd never examined before. And, like, all I do is, like, self-examine. Yes, and, like, yeah. And, become aware, you know, I'm always trying to grow. Uh-huh. And, like, it never came up. And it's one of, one of the biggest opportunities in my personality is to just calm down and allow people to do as they do, not as I do. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Um, and that... And I have four kids. Yeah. I repeat myself a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity for me to let things go as mm. far as giving direction more than once. You know, and I also have employees. So yeah. everything is like, and I've had employees And everything is forever. an opportunity. Yeah. Every, like I've, I've been a manager, I don't even know for how long, you mm-hmm. know, since like 2005, I've always had employees. So repeating yourself is kind of... It's part of the deal, yes. you know? Yeah. And it was such a, a, a big part of angst for me and just frustration of, like, why can't everybody just do things as they're told? And yes, like, exactly. Oh, my. my way. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, oh, it's because my mother nagged me, like, for 23 hours a day. Yeah. You know, like, I couldn't sit down for five minutes because it was like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, 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 do yeah. This? You know? And I'm like, all right, like, I get it. Like, that's where that came from, and I can be different from the way that I was raised and still be able to give direction more than once, maybe in a different way so that it lands in their language, not mine. Does that make sense? Yes. For me, it's kind of the opposite. I don't like being told what to do more than once, you know, because my my parents were like, clean your room, go do this, go like, you know, constantly like telling me what to do and repeating themselves. So now like, you know, in my relationship, I'm more of like the free spirit and he, and still grounded, but he's a little bit more, like, practical. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, hey, you got to do this. You got to da 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 I'm like, do not tell me again. He's like, I'm just trying to remind you. I'm like, don't remind me. Da-da-da. So it's like that issue from when I was, like, five or, you know, from, I don't know, the time I was born to the time that I left the house at 18 is now coming up again. And right. that's common, I guess. Oh, completely. Yeah. We all have it. And, yeah. You know, you and I examine it mm-hmm. but some people just kind of go and they they feel like oh this is just part of my personality this is how I am and maybe but question it you mm. know like where did this come from like is it serving me is it detrimental to my relationships is it detrimental to my joy and if it is like have some compassion for yourself mm-hmm. choose a different way of being and practice yes it's flexing a muscle it, exactly so when people have their stuff with whatever it is, whether it's like sex or gambling or uh, food, um, is I find that like, and I have an addictive personality, like where I go into, it's easy for me to get like obsessed and become compulsive with that, with stuff. Well, maybe we can change that language. Yeah. I'm super passionate about some things. Yes, I'm super. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but like I used to have an eating disorder um, I just am quick to get out of the moment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to like use something to like leave the moment, whether it's even my phone now. Yeah. Um, is, do you think some people by allowing the subconscious to take over their lives are just like on automatic and that's just like a thing that they do? I think you we're know? all on automatic okay. most of the time. Okay. I mean, like I, I feel like I do a lot of personal work, mm-hmm. but I'm on automatic a lot of time. Okay. Like it's, 
we're supposed to be. Like, that's how we're wired, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you get in your car right now to go drive, you're yes. not going to think, like, I need to insert the key here, and I need to yeah. turn it on, and I need to turn on the radio, I need to put it. You're not going through that, right? But the day that you were learning to drive for the first time, you were hyper aware of everything that you were doing. Yes. Driving to you now is automatic, mm-hmm. right? So that's how we're wired, is that once we learn something, we can file it away into our automatic system. So mm. okay. some of the things, like if you and I learned a bad behavior, like let's say at 13, you know, you picked up a bad behavior, but it became rote and it became easy and it became static, what did you do? You beca- it became automatic, an automatic way of behaving, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that today it's working for you. It might be. Like driving is still working for you. Yes. But some other stuff may not be working. And that's the point where we get to become aware in question yes you know and it's hard to in in the moment you know because sometimes like I'll be aware yeah but I'm like I don't want to do that it's so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like I know I shouldn't be looking at my phone right now but I'm still doing it and I feel like that's so common with so many people I know that I'm eating stuff Mm -hmm. that's making me feel like shit and yet I'm still doing it I'm seeing somebody who is not nice to me and is not up to my worth and I'm still doing it yeah is that that as well? I think that's part of it. Okay. I think there's different conversations that are anchoring that. It's probably mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, we all have the same beliefs. Like, am I worthy? Am I good enough? Yeah. You know, like, we, we all have it to varying degrees at varying times in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's about questioning it. Because it's not like, all right, I really shouldn't be on my phone. Because then you go into a pattern of shaming. I really shouldn't be doing this. And I can't believe I'm still doing this. And then who am I to, like, talk to other people if I'm still on my phone? It's not about shame, yes. right? I didn't it's, even realize that until now. Right, because remember, everything has an emotion. In fact, nothing's neutral. Yes. Right? We, we, we have the ability to just file things away, but it's always filed away through the emotion. Right? Mm-hmm. So if that's creating... When I talk about examining and questioning, it's question that like what am I getting out of this all right like I'm getting a feeling of shame and guilt all right like what is what purpose is that serving well it's serving to keep me small it's serving to keep me rooted in this place to prove myself right that this is who I am that I'm never really going to be this zen person right and it could be and I don't know what the answer is Mm -hmm. and you might not know what the answer is the whole thing is have a conversation about it Bring it up to the table because you can't fix what you're not looking at, right? Like, if there's yes. something under there uh-huh. that's not working, question it so that it brings it up in front of you. And maybe the first time you bring it up, it won't be clear. Maybe the 10th time that you bring it up, it won't be clear. But eventually, just by questioning it, it becomes a little clearer. And then you start to see the way out of it. It sounds like it's, like, bringing awareness to it and then having that compassionate voice come in versus... Even just a subtle shame. Now I'm realizing I'm like subtly shaming myself for like, you know, being on my phone when I could be doing something else or, you know, reading instead of, or being on my phone instead of like reading a book I actually want to read. But you could create workarounds, workarounds around that, you know, like there's, there's a certain extent of time that you do need to spend on your phone because you're a businesswoman. Yes, yes, yes. Right. And that can get muddy. Yeah. Like I have the same thing. Yeah. I have, you know. 
four Instagram accounts that yeah. are business that three of them are business accounts and yes. I have my personal. So like there's some extent of time that I need to spend on social yes. media. But limiting it. And I suffer from the same thing. Like yeah. every once in a while I'm like, oh I just need to turn my brain off. Yeah. Yeah. But give yourself limits. Yes. You know, like yes. okay, I for the next ten minutes I am going to read memes and I'm gonna feel fine about it. Yeah. But when that ten minute thing is over, just put the phone down. Yeah, just just action. put it yeah. down, you know. Yeah. And the first time it'll be hard, and the second time it'll be hard, and then eventually you're like, "That's this is an automatic response." I yes. have a ten minutes, like, okay, do nothing, you know. But it takes practice and it takes intention. Yeah, like I'm not a hundred percent. I promise you, like yeah. I suck at it a lot of times, uh-huh. and it takes like my six year old, like mom, <laughs> for me to be like, "Oh crap, I'm still holding on to my phone. Let me put it away." Where yeah. I went into like upload a post. Yes. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, hey, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Kitties. Dopamine. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. You know, so it's getting yourself out of it. Because we do that with food. Yes. We do it with 100%. sex. We do it with drugs. We yes. do it with alcohol. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's deciding this is my limit and putting it down. And the only way that that works is through hyper awareness and commitment in that moment. Yes. But it takes practice and it really does take time for some people more than for others. Yeah. And and um with nutrition I'm a big fan of like to me I, I you know I I've had my own food struggles. Um I work with a lot of people that have big time food struggles and um I do believe in making a commitment and having discipline around it, not mm-hmm. in like a shaming way. With food I'm like done with the shaming forever. <laughs> um there's like no space for me with that, but I uh, do believe in having a certain, like you're saying, a, a boundary and a commitment. Like I know what foods don't make me feel great, especially yeah. like eating a certain quantity of them. And to me, it's like not even, I don't even get pulled anymore to do that um, because that's like I know if I do this, I'm gonna have this result. So it's just not appealing. Yeah, you made a decision and you committed. But after many. So many times well, going the through it. important stuff we commit to. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like now with food, there is this big movement that people are trying to be gentle around themselves. Like, oh, it's okay if you do it. It's okay if like... And I feel like that's holding people back in it's, a way. Some people can use it as an excuse for sure. But yes. that's with everything. Yes, exactly. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about now too is like, I do believe in the power of discipline and boundaries and commitments to yourself, do you think that those are required to change our our habits and the things that we don't want uh, in our lives? I think the first thing is desire. Yeah. When I started my business, I would just take on whoever came, right? Mm, such a common, yeah. <laughs> right, because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And then about maybe eight years ago, I started doing complimentary consultations for everybody. And... A great part of that is for them to ask me questions, but a bigger part, honestly, is for me to evaluate two things. Are you in enough pain that this is important enough? And do you have the commitment level to actually see this through? Mm. Because I want to have clients that that are ready to shift because yeah. I can hypnotize you all day long to stop eating cookies, mm-hmm. but if there's a core reason or core payoff that you're getting out of eating those cookies, like, there's no hypnosis in the world that's going to help you. Right? I think that's super important. I can't change your mind. But if the core of you is like, I'm sick, 
I can't take this anymore. My knees hurt. I want to see my children get married. Mm -hmm. Like, if that's bringing tears to your eyes, and if there's an emotional need for that to change, I'm on board. Mm. Right? Because mm -hmm. I know that that person is ready for change. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, well, I'm here because my wife told me I need to stop drinking or she's going to divorce me. Yeah. I can hypnotize you every day for the next year and you're not going to stop. Yes. Because well, there has to be a desire and there has to be a certain level of commitment. And I think people are also looking for a quick fix. They for might sure. come to you and be like, they want that immediate thing to just, oh, she's going to hypnotize me and it's over. Like, it's like this thing is going to be done. And yeah. how awesome would that be? Like, if that could... Are you kidding? Yeah. That's the <laughs> like, line at the door. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's just, just, we have, I think that people forget we have this built-in self-defense mechanism, uh -huh. right? The subconscious mind is like the shield of like anything that could harm you or make you uncomfortable. Uh -huh. So if your habits, although they result in negative circumstances, like you know, anything, mm -hmm. like bad relationships or weight gain or anything like that, if it's been proven to help you survive or to allow you to survive, then the subconscious is like, well, it ain't broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, my job is done. Exactly. So if that doesn't get shaken to the point of like, yeah, but this is so much better and this is really the vision that I have and I'm committed to creating, then what's the point? Like, we're not changing anybody's mind here, right? Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. the whole, like, oh, you can hypnotize me to, like, act like a duck. Well, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do you want to act yeah. like a duck? Like, if you want to act like a duck, it'll happen. But if it's not in your core belief system to act like a duck and look like a crazy person, yeah. it is not going to happen. Okay. Like, I'm not, I'm never going to make you do anything that you don't, don't want to do. Well, the free will, like, for you because to have you your have free, free will. Because you have free will, right? And you're always in control. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, I think that people need to have a desire, a really big desire. Not like, mm -hmm. oh, that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like <laughs> because you actually... believe me, like, it would be super nice if I was back in shape, like, the way that I have been in the past. Uh-huh. Like, clearly there's something in me that's like, nope. Yeah. This other thing <laughs> yeah. is way more important. Yeah. And it's about getting real with that. It, exactly. You know? So that you're not going into shame. Yes, yes. And I think in life, too, there are cycles... Where, like, you might be focused on other things, For you know, sure. put your energy into other stuff. And, you know, that's something that's super common with people. Um, shifting, shifting gears a little bit, I love, and I'm so passionate about the subject of women and their worth. Oh, my God, me too. I'm, like, I can't, I, like, I'm fired up about this because, again, this is something that I've gone through. And especially in the last year, I have grown so much and like really stepped into that worth. Like, here's my hourly rate. Here's what I think I'm worth. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I don't, I don't want to step into that. I do, but it's, it's been so hard for me to do it and to say it out loud and to like now that like, and it'll never end because it'll, you just keep growing and everything. What would you tell women that feel like they have something inside of them? Let's say they're working in a job that they really don't like, um, and it's the fear is just so insurmountable to them. They know that they have something inside of them that they're passionate about, that they could help people with. Um, you know, building business a business would be a whole other podcast. Um, but how how do they? I don't want to say get over it, but how do they step into that next part of themselves? I think what's critical is who do you talk to? If you're surrounded by mm, people oh in your God. life yes. 
that are like, oh my God, no, are you crazy? You have benefits. Like, yes. look at your insurance. Like, you have a 401k <laughs> and your commute is 10 minutes. Like, mm -hmm. why in the world would you want to do If that's your circle, yeah, get another circle. Like, not like ditch these people, yes. but find more people. And what I love about Miami is there's so many different types of circles that you can fall into. And you and I hang around the same people. Mm -hmm. And you know that there's a huge, beautiful, incredibly supportive and loving group of female entrepreneurs and cheerleaders oh my in this God. city. Yes, And yes. I know, and, it, and it's not something that came overnight, but now that I've been in business for such a long time... Like, I can literally pick up the phone for whatever problem I have and have somebody that I trust or that somebody that I really, really trust trusts to help me out. And I mm. think that that's key. Because, yes. first of all, it's feeling like you have a network around you that can have your back, but also that you have women around you that are up to really big things. Because yes. I'm inspired all the time by some of the women that I know locally that I've met or that I follow on Instagram or women that I connect with on a regular basis or that I collaborate with. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired by them all the time, you know? And it kind of does like a self-check of accountability of yes. like, I... Yeah. Like, you know, I, I haven't launched anything new. Yeah. I, you know, I have this idea that I've been holding on to for 18 months that I haven't done. And then I look at some of my women friends and some of my colleagues and I'm like, damn. Like, yeah. If she can do it, of course I can do it. Yes. Like, I know that people have my back. And to me, I think that's key. Because mm -hmm. if you're like an island and you don't yes. know who to ask, I think that that's probably a lot more difficult yes absolutely. and I think that the number one thing to know if you are out there on an island and you don't have the connections is find the people that inspire you and literally call them yeah because yes. I know for a fact that if anybody calls me randomly and they're like hey I have this idea and I don't know where to start like I'm gonna at least have a cup of coffee with them yeah. and if I'm not the right person I'm going to show them where to go you yes. know yes because I think that a lot of us who are entrepreneurs really do cheerlead other entrepreneurs you know like yes I'm I want you to be incredibly successful just like I want to be incredibly successful yes. because I don't know and I don't know that that's a, a, a thing that men necessarily talk about yeah I don't it I don't think as much yeah women. yeah that is and and you know I think that it's like I feel like with women there's this narrative that women are catty that like they want to not see the other succeed but for me it's been like if I help you succeed, that is a collective that is succeeding as well. For you know sure. what I mean? And you're going to find cattiness yes. in men and women. Yeah, yeah. You it, know? It's like a and human thing. Yeah, I happens. just think that we we adopted that label a long time ago. Yes. And, like, I don't identify yeah. with it yeah, at, at all. all. Yeah. And, and there's also, for me, it's been helpful, too, just in general in life. Even I talk about this with food, is really shifting to a mentality of abundance versus scarcity oh my god yeah you know and I would love to talk about money a little bit I love to talk about money um because like even with food the reason people binge on food and this has been my own experience is thinking tomorrow I can't have it 
or there's this tonight is the only night because the diet starts tomorrow Mm -hmm. tonight is the only night that I can have it and I'm scarce so I got to keep it all for myself I got to eat it all it doesn't matter if I want it it doesn't matter if I like the taste and that is even with with what we're talking about now like with women there's enough abundance for everybody to go around and feeling that scarcity, like f- having somebody do something similar to you and feeling like, I don't want her to be successful because that means there's not enough for me. That's like, there. that means there's limited It doesn't stuff. make any sense. So let's talk about what are your thoughts about like calling an abundance into your life and even like money mindset for business owners and for people in general. I you love know? talking about money mindset. Yeah. I, it's always been a theme and I think I've gotten way more organized about it over mm-hmm. the last 18 months because it comes up so much with women. Money mindset to me is deliberately creating a new relationship with the energy of abundance. There's limitless possibilities to what we can accomplish and to what we can have, right? Mm-hmm. You making it big does not take away from me making it big, mm-hmm. even if we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. I belonged to a networking group called BNI. Yes. For like 16 years. And one of the things that they started coining maybe maybe 10 years ago was the term co-opetition which is like never really close your mind to somebody that does exactly what you do because it might be the right person for somebody that you can't help yeah right yeah and I've always referred out some of the hypnosis issues that like I personally like don't feel confident in or that I don't like doing like Mm -hmm. I stopped doing weight loss and smoking and addictions a long time ago because it just didn't resonate with me with yeah. the types of clients that were coming in. So I always farmed that out, right? Mm-hmm. And that didn't make me lose any money because what that did was build a relationship with colleagues that then had somebody who was like, oh, this person wants to work on money mindset and like I hate that topic and then they would send it to me, mm-hmm. you know? Or mm-hmm. I had somebody who wanted to work with a man instead of a woman. Like, I'm I'm not getting a penis. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not changing to adapt to this client. So I need to be able to farm that out so that they can succeed at the same time, you know. So I don't believe that there's limit yeah. to abundance in any, in any terms. Like you said, like with food, yeah. with love, with money, yes. with clients. Like, there is so much and we're only accessing what we are ready to access in that moment you know Mm -hmm. so like the more that we work on ourselves and developing what are the conversations where do our limits lie inside our subconscious mind examine them are these working great if they're not working like oh this could be a little bit better examine it question it where did i adopt this how could it look differently how would it serve me if i was able to let go what am i going to have to give up if i have to give up this thought process this limiting thought right and that's, it's self-evaluation, right? And nobody's going to do it for you. Like, you can go to yeah. a therapist, but then yeah. you're, like, rolling the dice to see, like, does this person have the right questions for mm-hmm. me? You know what the right questions are. Yeah. Question. And be really tough on yourself. Like, if you have a limited mindset about money, well, we all do to some yes. extent, right? Yeah. We all grow up with, like, money's the root of all evil. Uh-huh. Money doesn't grow on trees. And... There's not a lot of coined phrases that we can pull out of the top of our heads about how great money is, mm-hmm. right? You, we, I can come up with 20 negative ones yes. before I can come up with positive ones. I, it's all there. Yeah. And start evaluating how do you feel about money? How do you feel about people that have money? 
right? Like if you see somebody that has a big, beautiful house and the dream car that you have and that's traveling all over the world and you see them on Instagram, like what's, what's the emotion that you feel? Is it, oh my God, that's so cool? Or is it, ugh, I wish I had that? Yeah. Right? So evaluate and question what are the emotions that you feel around money because there's something underneath that. If you're not getting extremely excited when you're looking at somebody that has a lot of money, there's something there, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. What are you resisting? Because if you're resisting it, like you're also resisting the energy of money. Yes. And then how in the world are you going to attract it? You send that vibe out. Yeah, exactly. And if you're coming from that scarce place, you yeah. can feel it. Even like doing business, like with people that um, want to not pay you what you're worth. That's or, not your client. Well, it, exactly. That's exactly. Not your client. Or even like coming into a situation, um, you know, perhaps people are just starting their businesses and they're accepting money out of desperation. That sends a signal, I mm -hmm. think, too, that like this is what you're accepting. And I feel like it's hurt. You know, like I feel like oh, we it feel is. that people feel that. Yeah, people can pick up on desperation mm -hmm. more than any other emotion, especially in a sales scenario. Yes, exactly. Because people are automatically just like we're we're resistance to being sold because mm -hmm. we want to think that we make our own decisions. Yes, we can't be sold. I'm way smarter than this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but no, we all buy things. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that you prefer your brand of coffee over a different type of coffee. There's an emotional connection to it, right? Mm -hmm. So. If you're sitting with a client and you're pitching and you're afraid of giving your price, that's in the back of your mind energetically brewing, afraid of when it's going to be its turn to speak up. Yeah. And what's happening is that you're having an energetic exchange with the prospect where they're picking up on this thing that they're not even aware of, but the minute you speak your price, they recognize it like, there it is. Yeah. And then yeah. what happens? They're like, oh... Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god. I gosh. thought it was gonna be less and yes. I let me like talk to my husband about it to see if like this is okay. Yeah. You know, and it's being comfortable with owning your worth and to know that the client that sits in front of you that in that moment is not willing to pay your price, that's not your client. They walked in the wrong door. They're supposed to be with another nutritional coach. Yes, that's not it, that's not yours. It, exactly. And by being honest and comfortable about what your worth is it just starts calling the right people to you. And and that's been the case for me because when I first started six years ago, uh, I started my private chef business and I had, I literally went to my first client's house with my iPad. Somebody, it was a recommendation and I had like pictures of stuff, of food plates like on the iPad showing them and they're like, how much are you charging? And I'm like, Ooh. you know, like <laughs> this much money, you know, and he, and he literally said to me, he was a, success, a successful businessman and he's like, that's not how you ask for money. Yeah. And I was, but I was like this little, like, oh my God, like this much money. And now I'm like, this is what it is. And I feel like coming at it with like a conviction and a confidence that makes the other person on the other side be like, oh, well they can really help me. And the value exchange mm -hmm. can, if you feel confident enough providing value in somebody's life and really changing it like they're gonna have confidence in you in exactly 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 yeah for sure i think money mindset is key for women yes traditionally we haven't been great at our finances yeah right Just, yes we haven't had the the long-term exposure to finances as men have and that's not an excuse it's just how it's been right yes yes and we've entered 
the workforce relatively recently in comparison to how long we've all been around, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's key. I think that if we really are going to make an impact, because most of the women entrepreneurs that I've met so far, the ones that I coach specifically, are trying to make a really big impact, not only yeah. in like through the service that they're doing, but in their communities. Yes. So it's important. Like We can't just work for love and hugs. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, no. And, yeah. You know, it's... I think it's all about understanding that my time is worthy. Yes. You know, like, if we're going to spend time together, it's worth it. Like, I'm worth it. I have something important to share with you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, it's, for me, my money, like, talking about my, when I started, I did the same thing. I'm like, I'm this many dollars, you know? (laughs) And and it was, I think, because I I didn't really have anybody mentoring in my field. Yes. Um, And then once I found somebody, I was like, oh, I am way undercharging. And I completely shifted the way that I did it. Uh And I've always been in sales. So, it was, like, an easier transition. Uh Uh-huh. But when I started shifting from, all right, like, you want to stop having panic attacks, you're going to be with me, you know, seven sessions, and I'm going to charge you this much per hour. I shifted it to, like... This is the value that I'm bringing. Like, mm. at the end of the day, you're going to be free from anxiety and panic attacks, and you're going to be able to sleep through the night. Right? What, so is, then, yeah, what is that worth? What word? is that yeah, worth? Yeah. Because when you're like, like, one hour for this much, like, yes. oh, my God, no. Like, you you want this result. This is what the result is worth. Exactly. Right? And it's a very different way of looking at deliverables. Like, you're not selling... Like, I am going to cook you this meal. Yeah. You're selling a completely different shift in a person's relationship with money, with uh, with food and their health. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's completely valuable. Yes. Like, it, I need you to come, like, help me. Yes. Because my relationship with, with food has a little room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just like with everything. I really feel like it's, for me, it's been the gateway to growth is like figuring out like instead of hating it instead of being like god it's this thing i have to do three times a day why do i have so much food noise and people can just eat instead of resisting it like you said diving straight into it and seeing what it had to tell me has really been uh the game changer for me and it's like the thoughts don't go away completely you know i'm like right now i'm really stressed out it would be really easy to just go eat that bar of chocolate, like, that would feel so good right now. Right. But that's not going to take away. Now I'm going to have two problems. I'm, right. like, not feeling good, and I, my, still, my problem is still there. Right. You know? That's a good way of looking at it. I like yes. Um, something else that I wanted to ask you. I know that you're into the woo, just I, like I am. That's something we have something super in common. <laughs> yes. So how would you, for me, I, I love all of it, as you know, but for me, the biggest thing that it's given me is a way to trust in times of uncertainty. Like trust you? or Trust like myself universe? and trust the universe. Okay. Trust that like no matter what happens, even if it's something shitty right now, it's for the path, mm-hmm. you know? So what role has that had in your life and how do you call upon it now? Um, I think it's been critical, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's kind of always been there since I was a little girl I stepped away from it for a long time and I started coming back to it um, after college and after my daughter was born embracing it through a different lens of like saying like oh I do really kind of crave a connection with spirit a connection with God and to me 
um, like I use the word God, but really like substitute source, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, right? Um, I always felt very not here. Like I remember my mom used to tell stories about like I would be little and I would cry. Like I would get in an argument or I couldn't have the toy or something and I would cry. And my cries would always like just devolve and I would be sobbing and just saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And everybody thought I was insane because they're like, you're in your room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're home. Yeah. And, and this, I'm telling you, like, I cried like this until I was in my teens. Like, I remember an episode being 15 years old in my room crying about a boy or something stupid. And then I found myself, like, I remember being shocked that I just kept saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And I'm like, what? Like, mm -hmm. I've been living in this house for 10 years. Like, I don't yeah. even know what I'm saying, right? Um, and I think that that's where I started to question a lot of, like, what, what, what does that mean? Why do I feel like I don't belong here, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when I started framing the answer to that question around spirit and around God, I was like, oh, like, I feel disconnected from God. Mm. And it was, like, hugely eye-opening for me. And then I've done... You know, I've done past life regressions, I've done hypnosis, I've done ayahuasca ceremonies, and a lot of it has been to heal that conversation, the resistance to being here in the 3D plane. Mm -hmm. So, like, you said, whoa, so I'm going. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, go there, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's, to me, it's been a resistance to being here, and to just literally wanting to go home. Like, I, I'm done with this, like, my back hurts, and, yeah. like, I can't run fast enough, and, you know, like, I have to eat. Like, mm -hmm. all of this 3D stuff would really, I was in such resistance and so angry about it, um, that I was like, I just, I, I want to go home. Like, when is this over that I can go be with God again? So it was very much, like, this, the sadness covered in angst, you know, so, like, by the time, like, the angst would come, like, then I would be sad. Yeah. You know, because I'd be like, I just want to go home. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and I've been working on that probably the last 10 years. It's been a very, it's it was a very big part of my personal development. And I would tell you that over, the, I think, the last, maybe the last three years, it's become much clearer. And I've become much more embracing mm -hmm. of the 3D plane. Yeah. Um. It doesn't mean that I don't, that I wouldn't rather, like, spend more time up there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I have found other ways of yeah. of accessing that emotion of being at home while being here. One of that is Unitarian Reiki, which you and I oh, did yes. the class together. Yes, we did. Um, it's really changed my life. Um, I've been working lately a lot on, like, DNA, quantum DNA activation, and obviously meditation, and practicing with like my personal mentor um and a lot of it has been geared toward really loving where I'm at you know and like so important I like I have I, like I sometimes I zoom out and I'm like oh my god like how did this happen mm -hmm. I have four incredible kids I have an amazing husband who seriously like I don't know how he deals with me because I'm like, I have this idea and I have, yeah, this, idea, yeah, I have yeah. this idea and he's like, can you like take a breath? Cause I'm running around like a chicken with a head cut off, like literally all day. Uh -huh. And he's so supportive and such a cheerleader, you know, and 
like my circle, like my friends, I have Bodhi. Bodhi's ridiculous. Like this place yes. is like zen to me, you know? It is. I if you guys it. are in Miami, you have to come. It's seriously yes. like I feel like it floats like on a cloud. Like yes, I come in here amazing. and I'm like, I'm so happy. Yeah, I know. So when I zoom out, I'm like, oh, there's so many beautiful things about this 3D world, you yeah. know? And, yeah. you know, there's the hiking, there's the sound of the ocean when your ears are under the water. And there's so many, like, I've really started to be purposeful about falling in love with like the physical mm -hmm. and this you know and even even my body and like like I don't I'm not joking when I say that my relationship with food could use some loving just because I've always been in such resistance to like ah, I don't have to have this yeah. body yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like, like I just so want to love it yes <laughs> so I think that that's been a really big a big challenge for me is to stay in the work. And I'm not perfect. Like, yeah. I really suck at meditating sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, like, I'll wake up late and then I'm running around, take the kids to school, come back, and I forgot lunch and I have to go back. <laughs> you know, so... Uh -huh. it, like, that... I, I let that get in the way sometimes, but I've learned to have a little bit more compassion for me. I'm like, okay, like, I'm human right now. Like, I can yes. only go at this speed and there's all these things I get to be they get to be handled and enjoying those moments and yes. sometimes I would really rather just be meditating and yeah. like you know channeling something weird that comes but mm -hmm. well thank you for sharing all of that I mean I see myself so much in that story yeah. of like feeling more connected to something bigger yeah. and like being disillusioned by what's here like really this is it like right. that's really what brought me to it and into my deep connection with it it's like, if this is all there is, like, this isn't that interesting to me, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I you know, this conversation and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. So like, but, but like you said, it's those exact things whenever I get into that, because I think it's really important for the listeners to know and for everybody in the world to know that like, even if you're on this path, there's no perfection, there's no place that you arrive. It's like, you're still a human. Um, but by like, when I'm in that space, walking outside, looking at a flower, breathing in air, taking like three breaths, looking at my dog, having those little tiny moments that are simple yeah. that I really don't need even money for. You know what I mean? They're all free. Yeah. So like being in that gratitude and that appreciation kind of brings it all together. It you does. Know? And it presses that reset button yes. to remind you of like, this is, this is the moment. Yes, you this know, is it. This yeah. is this is what I have in this moment. This is what I have to work with, and this is where I have power. Because mm -hmm. like, that's that's where God is. Yes, like exactly. to me, that's the way I see it. Is here, and this is the only like access line that I have. Is yes. is here. I don't have it in some other place where I'm angry at myself because yeah. I'm here. You know? I know. Yeah, I only have it have it here, and we really are connected all the time. It's just. Yes bringing awareness bringing awareness to it and and I think with food and with other stuff these addictions and everything that we have are mechanisms and vehicles to take us out of the moment yeah. when all we really want is to you to know be, be to be here and to feel something greater which is accessible when we remember to when we remember when we remember to act like you asked me if I had been practicing Reiki I'm like I haven't remembered to do it um well, I could talk to you forever. I know, me too. Um, this was so fun. I always ask the the guests a series, a few series of questions at the end. 
Um, I'm a big reader. I'm obsessed with reading and, uh, you know, fiction, nonfiction. Have there been any books that have had a huge impact on you, whether it's this subject or a book that you're reading recently that, you know, has really resonated with you? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I just finished rereading The Power of Now, which oh, yes. is like the Bible. I, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that was a nice reminder because there was obviously things that I didn't remember the last time that I read it. And I just finished um, Stealing Fire. Like, I love reading. I'm always like audiobooks or book mm-hmm. books. Um, Stealing Fire. I can't remember the authors, but they talk about exorcists, like accessing exorcists, that connection with something higher than ourselves Mm. and like all the different vehicles that we can use in order to access it. Um, Incredible. Like if you like a little bit more science-y, research-y kind of things, like excellent book and they have it for free on Hoopla, so even better. Oh my God, Um, I love Hoopla. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm telling everybody about it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then... I'm also listening to Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which, like, if you have money oh, mindset yes. stuff, like, TJ, put that thing. Yeah, yes. Uh, T-Hard. T-Hard, yeah. Blah. We'll put it in the show notes, yeah. yeah. Um, That's on Hoopla. Like, that yeah. should be, like, a once-a-month reading. Yes. Or, like, it's on Hoopla for free. Yeah. Like, listen to it again. Uh-huh. Um, because it's such a nice reminder. My husband tries to listen to that book all the time, like, over and over again, because uh-huh. it just reminds us to, like, stay grounded and stay positive. And, and it's also putting in new yeah. thoughts. Yeah. It's all new thoughts. And it's all repetition, right? Yeah. Um, and then I'm reading a Stephen King, The Outsider, right now, which oh, I'm almost okay. done, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm still not sure. There's like 10 pages left, and I have no idea what's going on. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes but, yeah, no, read But yeah, no, Stealing those. Fire, Power of Now, and Secrets of the Man in Your Mind are the ones in the last three months that have been really present for me. Okay. That I've loved. One that I've heard you talk about, um, I think in the Reiki session that we did was, um, or the Reiki class that we did was Power versus Force. Oh my God, read Power versus Force. Which is... Like, have you read it? Yeah. It's incredible. And, and I have it on my... I bought the physical book, even though it's on Hoopla also. Is, is it? <laughs> and so oh, is no, Letting no. Go. So is Letting Go, his other book. Yeah. Which is a really good one. I know, but they don't have it on audio. No, they, they don't. It yeah, it's too It's too much um, to yeah. do on the iPad. Um, so thanks for those suggestions. Another one that I asked, just because I'm curious, is if, in everybody's taste about this, is if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Oh... Today, if I was on death row today, I would really like some, like, honey-coated Brussels sprouts Mm, mm -hmm. with, like, a medium-rare filet, like, perfectly well done. Like, not well done. Yeah, yeah, perfectly perfectly done, yeah. With, like, salt. Yes. Almost, I think three-quarters of the people. I think my mouth just salivated. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Three-quarters of my guests say steak. Yeah. For their last one, with like a form of veggie. Yeah, I don't have steak a lot. Um, and the last question that I ask, it's funny because I always ask about God. Like in what, I'm like, what do you think is going on here? You know, yeah. but we kind of already, it came naturally in our converse, in our conversation, is what is the greatest piece of advice that, that you've been given that has had the biggest impact on your life? What's the worst that could happen? Such a good one. I don't know that it came in those words, but yes. that's how I've adopted it and yeah. internalized it. Uh huh. I don't know that it's the right piece of advice for every situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I kind of apply it to almost every yes, situation, yeah. and it's taken me down some incredibly interesting roads, and I've met some really cool people. Because mm. really, like at the end of the day, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we make up all these fears. Yeah, you're not gonna yeah. die. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, did I die today? No, so I could just, probably do it again tomorrow. Just do it. Yeah. 
And if you do that, you're going to come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a great way to end it. <laughs> let, us, let us know where we can find you, where people can come see you. Uh, we'll put all of this in the show notes, but let us know how you yeah, work. Yeah, so my and... personal Instagram is at Patty Fuensalida. Mm-hmm. And definitely go to the show notes because my name is kind of hard to yes, spell. Yes, yes. Um, and then you can follow me also at Bodhi Wellness Miami or at Coral Gables Hypnosis. Okay. And, and come if, visit. Yeah, Thanks. what if people want to work with you? How can they contact you? Same just, way. Same okay. way. Just like that um, through the Instagram or through the website, which is BodhiMiami.com or CoralGablesHypnosis.com. And you do hypnosis and coaching as I do, well, right? Yeah, I'm doing mostly coaching now okay. for female entrepreneurs and my mindset. Okay. So, awesome. For sure. And have, cup, have a cup of tea. Just come in. If you're doing the Umbrella Sky... Yeah, it's like everybody and their mothers now. I know. I just pictures. posted it. I'm like, I'm the first person in Miami to post this. To post this <laughs> yeah, I was story. like, I'm not gonna post yeah, it. Yeah. And I finally posted like two nights ago. Yeah. So yeah, if you're doing Umbrella Sky, you come take a picture. Come upstairs, have a cup yeah, of tea. Yeah, it's right in there. Yourself. And literally, like I always say that, like just come say hi. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for spending you're time welcome. with me. I'm glad that you came over today. I know. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.